In this installment of the podcast, we review three mixed-ish episodes tackling code switching, passing, and stereotypes. Put your helmets on as we travel with Bo through some of the most turbulent skies in the universe of racial America. As usual, there is much to learn from our fearless biracial beta tester as she confronts these unavoidable realities in daily mixed life. Welcome back, everyone. This is Shannon. We have a packed podcast for you today. We're reviewing three episodes. Up to this point, we have broken down one per podcast, but with episodes seven, eight, and 12, which we're about to dive into, we crossed the halfway mark in the mixes season one. And the topics in these three episodes in particular have a symbiotic relationship and get to the heart of this sitcom at its best. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. This is Tarana. The topics of code switching, passing for something you're not, and stereotypes all feed into one another because of this American obsession with otherness. And for me, the theme that emerges from these episodes is that we finally have a character on television who is talking about it all. A. (laughs) B. There is finally a main character on network TV who is young, a female of color, and who embraces self-love to battle it all. Shonda Rhimes, of course, revolutionized television with her amazing grown female characters of color who fit this description. But ask yourself, how many young female network characters do we see fitting this bill? What a concept. Now, that is progress in pop culture. Yes, I would think. I think. I mean, I appreciate that Kenya Barris and his team of producers take the baton from Shonda and um, and others like Issa Rae and, and, you know, mm-hmm. Bo's character as well as Zoe on Grownish. But again, it's, that's network. We're talking about network television. It's not, it's not, it's few and far between. The alphabet um, network people. <laughs> yes. And, and Dear White People also has broken this down brilliantly. Um, and I love seeing a mil- militant biracial character in a starring role, but um, in Mixed-ish, just you've got a special place in our hearts. So back to, back to mix this, uh, Tarana, how much do you appreciate identifying with these characters and moments? First of all, I'm just having a moment with streaming in general. I mean, I just cannot tell you, I'm reliving every dream I had as a 13 year old girl, girl, eight year old Mm. girl, 19 year old girl, 21 year old woman watching television. Mm. Streaming is such an amazing adventure for someone who's never seen themselves on TV growing up. Mm -hmm. And I just, so shout out to all the creators who are just working it right now. Um, And specifically to mixed dish, you know, I identify with something in every episode, but -hmm. if you're listening and watching and, and perhaps you haven't, I guarantee there is something from these three episodes in particular that will resonate with you. On top of that, we have three more 80s hits that couldn't match the subject matter more beautifully. Mm-hmm. So ready? Here we go. <laughs> Mixed-ish, mixed-ish, excuse me, episode seven, putting on the Ritz, explores passing and code switching as the Johnson family visits Grandpa's Harrison's fancy country club. Episode mm-hmm. eight, weird science, does the same as Bo discovers her inner science nerd while helping a newfound mentor come out as black. Mm-hmm. Episode 12, It's Tricky, unravels stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So episode seven is a deep dive into Bo's grandpa, Harrison, who stands up to Alicia and Paul, who bristle at his invitation to his fancy country club, Twin Rivers. He says, you know, 
that this is part of my life and insist on sharing it with his family. So Dee Dee agrees with Paul and Alicia that these clubs are often discriminatory, discriminatory and rejects it until she realizes she can go, of course. Um, and in the process, Paul and Harrison come to terms with where they split as father and son, as Paul developed his own identity as a crusader against racial inequity and tolerance. And again, for the yeah, again, hippie loving guy, hippie loving guy <laughs> who has a father who is, let's say, not so tolerant. This is, you know, Harrison is the white grandpa and dad in the episode. He's a, mm-hmm. the actor. I can't remember his name right now. There's an amazing Gary Joel, who I'm Thank loving. You. I'm finally watching oh the end God. of Veep, the last episode, the oh, last season of Veep, yes. and he's on there and he's good on. <laughs> watched him for a long time. I mean, this was always the, you know, in the collar tie shirt, even since, you know, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm I'm drawing a blank on the movie, but I know I can see him too. But I just <laughs> but I, so appreciate well, his well, performance. Yeah. Yes, yes, he's he's so funny. But yes, um, so this episode tackles a complex question. This particular episode about going to Harrison's country club oh, yes. tackles that complex question about how we can both love and disagree with family members who whose values and beliefs are not only completely antithetical to our own but are even offensive. Mm-hmm. So this happens a lot in biracial families. I mm. have to believe because you're not yes. constantly weaving in and out of different realities and settings as you visit the white side and the black side. Right. But yes. back to the Johnson family who decide to go to twin rivers, what unravels is beyond true to life and beyond hilarious. It's so realistic in it's representation of what humans do when we are outside our comfort zone, enter the code switching phenomenon. Yes. And I was thinking, you know, oh yeah. Okay. We're going to get to episode eight, but a real quick point is that on the last podcast, we were talking about the economic differences and how we didn't really dive into like lower class, but now we're diving into upper class and suddenly this middle-class family is facing like, Hmm, this is a different world, but, um, yes, double the trouble. Yes. It was good. But, um, (laughs) and as Bo so perfectly explains it in episode eight, code switching is the human tendency to change ourselves in order to fit in around others who aren't like us or in an unfamiliar settings. Um, so while Alicia tries to fit into the stuffy atmosphere, there is not a code switching bone in Dee Dee's body. She, she is, she is who she is, no matter the environment. And we love her character for that. Um, and Paul at the club apologizes for white privilege every chance he gets. <laughs> Sweet Paul. <laughs> I just love it. Meanwhile, the kids run wild, enjoying all the treats and complimentary toiletries. Tarana, what did you be? What did you become? When did you become aware of code switching as a survival method? Oh, uh, so I think we all learn this as little kids early on, right? We're taught how to act in certain environments. I watched my, and even not just overtly taught, I watched my dad navigate corporate gatherings, but then come and cut up at family dinners and parties. So we absorb all this behavior. Yes, but yes, like Bo, I've been the only many times in the country club setting growing up um Mm. whether or not it was true I definitely felt like my otherness attracted attention to me and I could not relax in this setting so Mm -hmm. this may also have been because I did grow up fairly middle class so maybe it was just being around you know you know I don't know what I knew to be rich people that I was uncomfortable yeah 
And I noticed that when we're on family vacations a lot too, and um, just, you know, my, my family, we love golf and, you know, mm-hmm. it's definitely gotten, it's, it's, it's changed a lot. Tiger Woods, thank you. Shout but... out Tiger, my classmate. <laughs> when you are in that world, it's like, get used to being the only brown person around because <laughs> it, it just happens. Um, you know, and yeah, could go, we'll, we'll be tackling national. more of this. What's that? Augusta National. <laughs> yes. Just saying. Right. Um, so that is Alicia at Twin Rivers, by the way, though, like just cannot relax. Um, mm-hmm. She, she can't stop thinking about how her parents taught her to act in front of white people. And it's so sad that it's put that way. It's like, you know. But it, it's true. It's it's broken. She has a way. flashback in the episode. Right? Yes, yes. And Aunt Dee Dee, on the other hand, takes it to the extreme, treating the waiter as her servant, <laughs> stuffing bread in her purse, and ordering watermelon drinks. Oh my Stop gosh, when she did that. Stop it. Yes. Um, you know, she dares the club to say to say something to her. You know about how she is at all and when the management or pigment patrol as dd calls them does question the family in a clear case of racial profiling harrison is called in to help but the family is done and they leave so yeah this moment when Bo sees her grandfather not defending them or calling the club out for stereotyping is crushing Mm -hmm. i was pretty emotional during this scene Mm -hmm. um Especially when she asks her dad, how can grandpa love me, but not see, see how much that hurts me? Um, I guess this brought up a lot of um, stuff for my family. Um, just knowing my, my family loved me my, on the white side, but knowing that they had views that definitely, if they were around other black people, I just don't know if they would be accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. somehow I was an exception, I guess, because I was their flesh and blood, but it never felt quite right. Um, mm-hmm. um, that was growing up. Things have changed. Definitely. As I've gotten older, mm-hmm. but Paul's answer to Bo is that, you know, your grandfather is from a different time. You know, he still loves you. Um, he says, even though he doesn't identify with everything she goes through as a mixed race woman, you know, he, he loves you unconditionally, which I think mm-hmm. is a very true but complicated answer to give. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that um, from my mom, my, my white mother about her parents. <laughs> they love you you know, just a different time, a different era. <laughs> wow. Um, hard, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow, right? Yes. It's but like, yeah, know, but you're living but in you this know. era still. So can you adjust a little bit? But you know, you know, you know, you know, if they never grew up around any people of color, yeah, they just have a far to go. And they're just going by what they see on the news and, right, you know, on TV. But at the end of the episode, Harrison gives up on his membership. Bravo. Good job, Harrison. Grandpa Harrison. And Bo concludes, even though we have differences one day, that family member might actually become the beautiful picture you always had of them in your mind. And I love that they conclude with happy endings once again, you know, sitcom world, but (laughs) that's not always the case in real life. I know for a fact, there are places my white family members wouldn't be seen with my family and Mm. it's a sad reality. Yeah. 
That's why we're doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. But awesome writing mixed dish writers, I have to say. So in the next episode, episode eight, Weird Science, this code switching theme continues. And we see Bo be tempted to code switch to hide her love of science. By the way, as a biracial woman, sometimes I want to include the bullet gifted code switcher on my resume because it is just endless when you're sitting <laughs> between these two sides of your family and friends sometimes, black and white. Gifted I code switcher. love that. Gifted <laughs> code switcher. Can you at least add that to your social media profiles? <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, so in the show, we watch Bo, who becomes that successful doctor. We see in Blackish fall in love with science and fall out of favor with her peers because it's not cool to be a smart girl. Meanwhile, Johan slips and falls at a grocery store set, sets up to the subplot of Harrison preparing Dee Dee for a deposition for yet another scenario where code switching is a tempting solution. Don't you have an interview voice? Harrison asks her. He is bringing out a bit of his Archie Bunker more and more each episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but the funny thing is, this is 1985, and that could very well be 2020. It's just... Yes. It's it's hilarious. It's not hilarious and not hilarious. I'm sorry. But I think that there was some of that missing, like, the end of the 90s and the early 2000s, where people weren't being honest, weren't saying those things. Like, they started muting themselves, and maybe it's starting to come back a little bit, where it's like, yeah, we need to just start saying these things again. We were just a little too nice. Yeah. And now you know where people stand, because they're starting to be emboldened. On bad ways and good ways. I mean, why did I have to question putting Tarana on my resume? Like, let's yeah. talk about that. I would never change my name on my resume. But there yeah. was a time when I was searching for a job, and I was like, maybe it's because my name is Tarana. Had to think uh, about that. Wow. Meanwhile, <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> Shannon is a very Irish name, which was given by my white grandfather who thought about it. And, um, and you know, I have to say, like, there were times where I was like, I'm glad my name is Shannon. It made life simple. You know, Do you know in terms other black Shannon on on paper. Yes, and most of them are black men, which is very oh, oh yeah, interesting. yeah yeah. I went to Ooh. I went to college with a Shannon, Shannon Sharp. Cool. You know, it's interesting. Yes. All my black brothers that I know, <laughs> I went to college with. <laughs> we have really good friends who filmed our wedding, Shannon. Um, you know, Lanier out there, and yeah, it's just it's interesting, but. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that the show. Yeah, I love. Sorry, back to back to the show. <laughs> right. Stay on you track a little bit, and not so much sometimes. But yeah. I like that that this particular episode broaches code switching in schools and in mm. the work and in the workplace. A really important topic, uh, especially to teach our young our young people. I think so. Shout out, base going back a little bit. Shout out to NPR's Code Switch blog and team. By the way, Shannon, have you heard of this blog? They've been around. They've been, I think it's probably a group of the NPR, amazing NPR reporting staff who decided to put this together as they watch this phenomenon and all their reporting projects. And go check it out. It's about the stories, the tales that happen when we try, have to be someone we're not to fit Yeah, that's just, I Um, mean, I'm constantly even trying, you know, as I'm approaching the 40s in my life. You know, whatever. Toronto, don't even look at me like that because (laughs) you look 10 years younger than me. Come on. Um, I'll take it. (laughs) 
um, you know, of course, I really want, I want to be myself in all situations. I'm, I'm constantly working towards being my most authentic self. One of my really good friends is always working on that with me too. She just, she's a coach and she just loves that. And, but I find myself in certain white settings, trying to be more careful and not overstep another sad truth. And I'm finding, you know, um, on a, you know, side note, I just thought about my, my oldest son, I notice he is becoming more relaxed with his, he's got a different, um, mm. you know, vernacular, like combo, like he's acting different with his friends. It's more comfortable. He, you know, his, his black friends, they have a different mm. way. And it's just like a kind of, I got you bro type of, um, you know, comfortability mm. he has with them, but he loves all of his friends, no matter what color. And he, you know, when I tell him some of the stories from my childhood, he's just like, what are you talking about? Like, of course, we're not going to like someone, you know, over someone else just because of their color or whatever it is. It's just like, you know, <laughs> maybe we but, need to have him on the podcast. Yes, he, man. And, you know, more power to the school. Like the school is trying to tackle these discussions too, um, head on. So that's, that's awesome. They're very proactive in that. But, um, but yeah, and you know, it's, it's sad. It's a sad truth to try to be careful in those white settings, but, um, it's as, as, as if I'm trying to protect white people sometimes from something on one hand, but also not allowing them to be privy to my natural way of being, because I don't feel it would be appreciated like it would around black people or, or other people of color. And I, I think I realized early on as a child about white fragility, though I didn't realize yeah. that that that's what it was. Sorry, <laughs> Obviously, all like, these terms. at five years old, I was like, um, that's white fragility. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I'm protecting them. Like, I'm like, you know, why do they need protecting? Why do we need to be careful around them? Like, why, why is it always about making them comfortable? Them. Them. Those others. Yes. <laughs> Listen to you. But I mean, <laughs> but, I mean. Okay, that's real. Uh, you said it. You the truth teller, just like Dee Dee, and that's what this podcast needs. It's yes. true. Um, yes, it's so, interesting. So, speaking of Dee Dee, of course, she rejects Harrison's insistence in this episode that she change how she talked to be more appealing to a jury or an, an a, a mediator um, for the slip and fall case they have with Johan. And Bo delays her decision to go all in on science by trying journalism as the mentee of a local news anchor named Wendy Whiteman. As Bo eventually discovers, Wendy has passed for white her entire career. Um, watching their their bonding is actually a really nice moment. This this relationship she deals with, she develops with this this older female. Yeah. Our fearless Bo, who insists on embracing her love of science and the totality of her identity, inspires Wendy to come out as half black during the newscast. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, it's, true, <laughs> it's a true dropper. Hilarious. It's a true testament to how inspiring Bo is because of her nuanced outlook and embrace of otherness. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we know why. Is it Whit- Whitman or Whiteman? I mean, I Ooh, mean I'm sorry. We did like a Whitman, but because she was passed as white, they was like a play. You know, it's a joke. I'm sure. But <laughs> sorry, this is a this is a this is a visiting character on Mixed Dish. I'm not exactly sure how we pronounce her last name. Yes, Wendy. Wendy's yes, Wendy. Anchor. Um, you know, she, 
she decided to pass his way. I mean, I'm not surprised, but at the same time, it's just like, I, I, I don't know that I remember knowing anyone personally um, that did that, but um, no, I stereoty- did not. Yeah. <laughs> stereotypes that black journalists and TV journalists, you know, personalities face that inevitably make the career journey a hard climb is, in, you know, is, we've seen. Well, let's um, back up. This is 1985, right? So when yeah. Wendy was starting her career, it was the 70s. So yeah, or maybe, yeah, it could have been the 60s. So, you know, she had, there was different stuff going on back then. I mean, yeah. different and the same. So a little more intense, maybe. Way more intense. I mean, they're just, like we said, we did not see black and brown people on TV that much. <laughs> and then, you know, Especially normally as news it was anchors. As Shout news out anchors Carol Simpson. Or local <laughs> news. I was like, no way. No way. Um, and again, that's what I'm saying. It's just interesting when you, even if you have maybe a diverse community or environment, but you're still projecting these just white images everywhere. It's like, it's it, it's messing with you as a person of color or a young person of color. Like you're just um, set up to think that you need to, to fit that mold, that unrealistic mold. Do you, I have something really deep right now. Oh my gosh. I just realized maybe I grew up wanting to go into news because we had a black, wonderful black um, anchor all my life, um, mm. you know, in my, lo- on my local news broadcast. Mm. I never thought maybe because I could see it, I could believe it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Crazy. That's deep. I never put two and two together. Now mm. I know most people would probably at least people of color, black people would ask, like, what was she lighter skin? Was she darker skin? Did he she was brown skin, long hair. Woman. Did she wear wigs? Did she? <laughs> was she... We want to know all of it. <laughs> brown skin woman. She's awesome. No, I'm, 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 I'm going to put a shout out actually to her in the blog post. Because... No, that's huge. I she mean, was so good. And man, that was early on. So. I'm going to say West Michigan, sadly, did. I mean, like I said, there was a lot of Dutch German, like generational um, community happening. And most people were blonde on TV. It just, especially if you're a woman, I mean, it just was happening. It's that's, that's, that's what was going on. So and I'm going to take a minute to also explain why this podcast happened because they make a reference in, on the show to how there was no YouTube back then. There was no mm-hmm. streaming in 1985. So all yeah. we had was the news and yes. that was television. And if you, if there was a black, if there was, and so the, these there was no CNN either yet. Us. There was no social media. These people were stars to us. Yeah. Like this news anchor, this local news anchor is an absolute celebrity when she walks into Rainbow Johnson's school. Yes. We and need so, to set that up. Yes. Good. So good that point. is why now we are so excited about um mixed dish i mean i think we've gotten in some ways again we get into this post-racial comfortability thinking that things are like there is a lot of strides we've made right there has been a lot we've gotten comfortable with seeing more faces of color it's still not to where it you know should be could be but you're right setting the tone for 1985 86 it was it was not there was not any any diversity and so stereotypes that black journalists and tv personalities face that inevitably make the career journey a hard climb when you are a person of color when 
period. And that was what the final mixed dish episode. Um, that's why the final mixed dish episode um, in this trifecta, our episode 12, it's tricky. It's called, it's tricky. Okay, I won't go into that because, <laughs> but um, it's all about stereotypes again. So you see how these are all interlacing, but there's just these different layers of the stereotypes and the, to- you know, all of it. Um, but it's, you know, Bo is invited to join the track team because she's black. <laughs> this entire episode felt again, a bit like watching my childhood. I'm, I'm sure many listeners and fans of the show can relate. For instance, it felt like many in my community assumed I would run track and play basketball, which Girl, I-, I assumed I would run track because my, so did I. <laughs> Which at the end, you know, that's what I'm saying. At the end, I ended up doing it. Of course, I'm gonna play basketball. My whole my, my whole family plays. <laughs> but you know what? On both sides of my family, here we go. Both sides. Everyone on both sides. No, <laughs> but on both sides of my family, they loved basketball. Um, it runs very deep, and coaching, playing, all of it, and college players, girls and boys. And, you know, I have some white cousins that train NBA basketball players now. Like, I mean, it's just a deep thing. And then my dad played in college. You know, we're just all, um, we're just, it runs deep. But, you know, I thought, yeah, I'm going to be a track star. It was for a hot little bit, but I was just, it was not going to happen. It just, it was not. And, you know, often stereotypes are developed out of some truths where, you know, so it's, it is what it is. But volleyball ended up, um, for me, it ended up being a whole new community and experience for my entire family. And had I grown up in, you know, probably on the West Coast, they, it would probably have been stereotypically expected for me to play volleyball. But sports have done amazing things for children and people of color. I will not deny that. Um, we also want that to expand for our children into the arts and science and math and <clears throat> excuse me, technology, et cetera, et cetera. And like Bo, I like to defy stereotypes. I, I liked to de- defy stereotypes when I was younger and even now as an adult. And too bad Bo didn't succeed with her chance at the swim team, but <laughs> she did great with track. So but it was it was good watching her. We're glad she rejoined the track team. Yes. Um I think this episode is a perfect example, the stereotype episode. Um is it's tricky. It's a perfect example of why mixed dish does not take the easy way out. You know, some people may we may be watching this going, this is like not real, right? It, there is a didactic overtone to the show. Yes. But for every complicated question Bo tackles in mixed dish, there's a beautifully complex real answer that the writers proffer. Mm-hmm. I think the authenticity comes out because the writers and creators of the show have lived these experiences. Yeah. So what they are writing is real, which is why the universe of shows, blackish, mixedish, black AF, is a great model for representation behind the camera, not only in front of it. Yes, I love that. And I think, you know, I just thought of the fact that, again, what makes it special, this loving generation going back to that, like we were able to be authentic for the first time, like kind of the generation that was able to be our authentic selves for the first time because of those before us that fought for the right 
to have these right. marriages and relationships and families that were legal, <laughs> you know? So I do not ever want to forget that. I don't want my kids to forget that. And, you know, I want them to understand. And I think, you know, our country still, we need to know that about our history um, and the importance of that. And, you know, just going back to speaking about stereotypes, I think the this explosion of streaming content, going back to that, allows us all to battle long held stereotypes like never before and people are craving to see their real selves in content on tv on streaming on these shows and and like we did all those years ago toronto we did the same thing we wanted we wanted to see ourselves and look at the stats niche content in streaming in the streaming verse is more popular than ever and now we just have to watch one another's content so we can untangle the remaining vestiges of stereotypes. We suggest you start with Mixed Dish for a rare 360 perspective. For today's mixed message, tell us a tale when you code switch in your life, or what is your favorite stereotype to shatter? Send us a DM and share with us through our website, MixLifeATL.com, or find us on social media at MixLifeATL. In our next episode, we'll be covering a few other episodes as well before we chat about the finale. That's all we have for today. Until next time, stay safe and peace out. Mixed Life ATL is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia and produced by SDB360 LLC and Capacity Media. You can hear us wherever mainstream podcasts can be found. For information on how to advertise your business on this podcast, please message us at mixedlifeatl.com.